Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. On the past few podcasts, I've mentioned a major research project by Lifeway Research asking pastors about the pressing issues they're dealing with today. They interviewed a large number of pastors and they identified 17 areas that a majority of pastors said were problematic right now and that they really needed help addressing. I've gone through that list of 17 and quite honestly, there were several issues on the list that I've addressed in the podcast over the past year, so I may not go back and address every one of those, but I've also picked out some issues on this list that I either felt needed some extra emphasis for all of you as my listeners, or were some things perhaps I had not addressed that much or that directly in the past. And that's certainly one of those issues that we're going to talk about today. Today, I want to talk with you about the discipline of reading the Bible and praying on a regular, or if I could say it, daily basis. Now, it's interesting that in the LifeWay Research Project, 68% of pastors said that it was a problem for them to maintain consistent Bible reading that was not connected to sermon preparation or preparation for teaching. So what I want to talk with you about today is maintaining the discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer on a personal basis. Now, I know what I'm about to say for the next 20, 25 minutes. I got the notes right here in front of me. When I finished creating this presentation, my overall impression was, that's it. And you may feel the same way at the end of the podcast. If you're expecting me to say something today that's going to unlock some little known secret about what it means to develop the discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer, well, click off the podcast and uh, Go for a walk. It'll do you more good. I just am going to talk very practically today about simple things that I've been doing over the years that have helped me. Developing the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer is not, as the old saying goes, rocket science. But there are some specific things I think I can say to you today that would help you to improve this discipline in your life. Now, I've been endeavoring, and I choose that word carefully, I've been endeavoring to read the Bible and pray on a daily basis since I was 17 years old. I'm 63. That's a long time. And so what I'm going to talk to you about today is not everything I'm doing today, and this is important. It's I'm going to talk with you about everything I can remember that I've done over the past 40-plus years And some things I've started and stopped at different times in my life. And some things have been helpful to me at different seasons of my life. And a few things I've learned along the way that have become sort of permanent and are fixtures in how I support uh, support this habit of daily Bible reading and prayer, even up until today. And so today's podcast is not just about what I'm doing right now, but about what I've learned over 40-plus years of endeavoring Uh, to fulfill this discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer. Now, the first thing I'd like to say about this is take your foot off the guilt accelerator on this issue. Some people say, oh, I just miss days and I feel so bad or I feel so guilty or feel like I've let let, let God down or I've let myself down all over again. Listen, ignore the ought to voices around you and the ought-to voices in your head about daily Bible reading and prayer. Ministry leaders, we know this is supposed to be a part of our 
life and a part of our discipline as leaders. We know that. But the people around us are the voices in our head that say, you have to do this every day. You can't miss any days. If you fall out of the habit or the practice or the discipline, there's something wrong with you spiritually, or you've broken relationship or fellowship with God, or you've let down your followers. I'm going to just encourage you to ignore all those people. And if that voice in your head is your own voice, ignore it too. Listen, I had to come to grips with a few years ago that my perfectionistic legalism about this habit was actually counterproductive to me fulfilling it in a healthy way. I had to come up face-to-face with the reality that there's some days that uh, I'm traveling and I'm just going to struggle to get this done on a daily basis. There's days when I've been up till 2 in the morning with a sick child and it just didn't happen the next morning that I was able to get up and have daily time of Bible reading and prayer. Uh, there's just all kinds of reasons over the years that I had to come to grips with the reality that I could set a goal of having daily Bible reading and prayer, and I could endeavor to meet that goal, but I had to back off the guilt (laughs) when it just didn't happen for a legitimate reason. And then I had to develop the spiritual maturity to confront myself when it didn't happen for an inexcusable reason and to say, God, I did let you down today. I missed our appointment. God, I did hamper my leadership capacity today because I failed in this discipline. Yes, there are days when you feel true guilt for, this, uh, for, for uh, failing in this discipline or on this issue. No doubt about it. And then when that happens, we know what to do. We confess our sins and our f- sins will be forgiven and we move on. But I want you to take your foot off the accelerator, the false guilt button that's trying to tell you if you don't do it a certain way or if you ought to do it this way or if you missed it in some way that you have automatically failed in this discipline. I no longer believe that. So step one is we're going to recalibrate our sense of expectations and that we're going to commit to daily Bible reading and prayer and we're going to endeavor to fulfill that commitment. And And when we cannot do so legitimately, We're not going to beat ourselves up with some kind of false condemnation about that. But when we could have done it or when it was possible and for whatever reason we just didn't, then we'll come back to God in repentance and humility, get the forgiveness we need, and then move on. Now more proactively, more proactively, let me talk with you about some things I've done over the years that have helped me to maintain this discipline, particularly, first of all, of Bible reading. The first thing I would say is pick a prime time in your schedule for Bible reading, a prime time. Now, for me, the prime time is early in the morning, but I want to rush to say that does not mean that's the prime time for you. Prime time is when you are at your very, very best and when you have the least amount of distraction. I talked to a young mom recently who said, prime time for me is when my child goes to school and my other child takes his nap. That's the moment when I have my first opportunity in the day to have uninterrupted time to read the Bible and listen to what God says to me. First thing in the morning, not going to happen because I got a child that wakes up before I do. Before I get the kid, uh, the, the, my child out, to, out the door to school and get the other one to sleep, not going to happen. Too much going on. But there's a little window of time 
when one child is at school and the other one takes that morning nap, when I can sit down and have a time to read the Bible and really think about what God is saying to me. That's my prime time. So that's what I'm challenging you to do. Think about your prime time when you're at your best and you can eliminate the most distractions. Now, for me, that's early in the morning. And for many of you in ministry leadership, that's going to be your best time. But if it's not, don't be guilty about it. If it's not, just say, no, this is my prime time. And that's the time I'm going to set aside and have is the time when I'm going to endeavor uh, to fulfill my goal of reading the Bible every day. The second thing I would say is I've learned that it helps me if I do not open electronic devices before I do Bible reading. Now, again, uh, this is with me early in the morning. If you're like my friend I just mentioned a few moments ago, you may need to turn off your electronic devices as you move into that prime time. But for me, when I get up early in the morning, I want to avoid turning on my phone or opening my iPad or flipping on my computer until I've finished my Bible reading time. Because here's what happens with me. If I get up and the first thing I do is turn over my phone, the first thing I'm going to see are text messages that came in perhaps overnight or emails that came in overnight. And once I see those, I am into the day. And my mind is already distracted and focused on something other than reading the Bible and thinking about what it means for me. I certainly don't want to open my iPad and flick on my news feed. I read one every morning. I want to keep up with what's going on in the world. I have certain magazines, newspapers, and news services that I subscribe to. And I don't want to look at that before I've had a chance to look at the Bible. So I don't want to open my iPad. And I definitely don't want to turn on my computer because once I've done that, I definitely know I am at work. So it helps me if I avoid my electronics before I have my Bible reading. Third, helps me to choose a place to read the Bible. Now, what I mean is a, a certain chair with a certain lighting, certain location. Now, I travel, as you know, a great deal of my work, and so this isn't something I can maintain 100% of the time because I'm on the road. But when I'm home, when I'm home, it really reinforces my habit of Bible reading to know that I'm going to do that in the same place every time. And what I like to do in our home, we have a living room that uh, is not where we have the TV and the computer and all the kinds of games and stuff that we have in a family room. Uh, we have uh, a home that has a separate living room and family room. And so what I do is I go in that living room to read the Bible uh, and pray each morning. I go in there and sit down in a, ch in a chair that I don't normally use for reclining or watching television or playing games. It's a quiet room. It's a little bit more a formal room. And I like to just sit there in, the, in that place and have an opportunity uh, to read the Bible. I definitely, uh, for myself, don't want to do it at my desk where my work is and where everything's spread out ready, waiting for me. I, I don't want to do it in the room where I watch TV or play games or work puzzles or uh, do anything like that. I want to do it, if possible, in a space that's just the place I know when I get there I'm going to an appointment with God to read his word and talk to him. Now, uh, you may not have that kind of uh, luxury in your home where you have a separate room like that. And if you don't, then find another place. Uh, maybe that is a place at your office, or maybe it's a place outside your home, or maybe it's a place in the community even, but just someplace where you know that when you get there, 
uh, that's your place where you're going to you know, meet with God. And then third, it helps me to choose uh, a Bible reading plan and to stay with that plan. Now, over the years, I've used a lot of different Bible reading plans, and I'm using one now that calls for me to read two chapters from the Bible each day. And one of those chapters is in the Old Testament, and the other one is in the New Testament. Now, in choosing a Bible reading plan, I do something else, which also helps me, and that is I actually print out a hard copy of my Bible reading plan. Now, I know there are a lot of these that are on electronic devices, and I know that some of you can use those well, but I guess it's because I'm an old guy and an old generation, but once I turn on an electronic device, it, it kind of captures my attention, and I find myself going into all different kinds of places on it. And so for me, I actually print out my Bible reading plan and uh, keep it in a little notebook there by my Bible. And so when I get ready to read the Bible each morning, I just look at the plan and I read the chapters for that particular day, and I just uh, stay on track by doing that. And if I miss days, I just skip ahead to the day of the week that the Bible reading plan is that I'm now on, and I look at the scriptures for that day, and I read those scriptures. Like, for example, this morning, I read Genesis 42 and Mark 12. That's my Old Testament and my New Testament plan. And the Bible reading plan I've been using for the past uh, two or three years is actually a two-year plan, where I go through the New Testament every year and the Old Testament in two years. And by going through that Bible reading plan, uh, I'm now using it, I think, my third year. Uh, I've restarted in Genesis and Mark at the beginning of this year. And so I'm back started at the beginning of the Old Testament. I'm going through it again. I'm going through the New Testament again as well. So I print a hard copy and I read two chapters a day. Now, there's a couple of other things that I used to do that I'm not doing right now that were very helpful to me. When I was a young man, 17, 18 years old, uh, my person, uh, a leadership mentor, uh, challenged me to read the book of Proverbs every day. And so from age 17 or 18, when he issued that challenge, until age 30, I read the book of Proverbs, the proverb of the day, as a part of my Bible reading plan. So if it was the ninth day of the month, I read Proverbs 9. The 23rd day of the month, I read Proverbs 23. And because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, it lines up pretty well for most months. And I would read the proverb of the day as a part of my daily Bible reading plan. And so back then I read at least three chapters, sometimes more a day, depending on the plan I was using for the Old and New Testament. And I would read uh, also the proverb of the day. Now, why did I stop that at age 30? Well, because I'd been doing it at that point for more than 10 years, and I just wanted a break. I wanted to do something different. Um, I've counseled a lot of other young men to read the Proverbs like this on a regular and consistent basis because I think it does really transform your way of thinking about life and does speak to major issues that men particularly need to think about uh, as they deal with leadership challenges and personal challenges as well. Now, there was also a time in my life when I decided to read the Psalms more intensely. There's 150 Psalms, and so I set a goal of reading through the Psalms twice a year. That would be 300 days, and if I could get 300 out of 365, I felt that was pretty good. And so I just would read the next Psalm on the list. I didn't tie those to the day of the month or anything like that because it's hard to do that with 150 Psalms. But I just read, every time I read the Bible, I just read the next Psalm on the list and tried to get through 150 by the end of June and then start over and read through 150 by the end of December. That was another way to augment or add to my Bible reading plan. 
So here are some different options I've used. Right now I'm using a two chapter a day plan, one chapter from the old, one chapter from the new. I'm basically reading the Old Testament every two uh, every year and the new uh, and the New Testament no, the Old Testament every two years, the New Testament every year. And so in doing that, I'm uh, working through the Bible on a regular basis and reading both Old and New Testament together. Uh, I've also in the past, as I said, augmented that kind of reading plan with either the Proverbs or the Psalms at different times in different seasons of my life. Now, for a while, I didn't do any of this. For a while, I did something else entirely, and that is I decided to focus on reading a book of the Bible and reading it uh, through at least three times and let that be my Bible reading plan. So, for example, I would say, all right, I'm going to read the Gospel of John. And I'm going to read one or two chapters a day. And I'm going to read through the Gospel of John three consecutive times and then go on to another book. And I would pick books that I was particularly interested in at the time or I had some interest in uh, knowing what they might say to me based on the general themes I knew they addressed. Uh, And so I would read John or I would read Ephesians or I'd read Judges and I would just read through the book and I would try to read through it three times. I did that for a number of reasons. One, I wanted more intense focus on one particular uh, way of thinking or thought pattern in Scripture, and so that was accomplished by reading just one book. I also wanted to uh, use the repetition of reading something over about three times in a relatively short time frame to help reinforce some messages I was seeing in Scripture. Uh, I also wanted to uh, just uh, deepen my understanding of some different areas of the Bible or different parts of the Bible, and so that helped me as well. So these are some different ways to structure a Bible reading plan, but having a plan helps me because when I get up in the morning, I uh, pick up my Bible, I go to my Bible reading place, I don't want to fumble around wondering what to read or where to read, I just check my chart It tells me the two chapters I'm reading that day, and I'm right into Bible reading. Now, another suggestion I would have about this is to use a physical Bible. Now, I say that today because most of the time when I preach and teach these days, I use an electronic Bible. And when I'm traveling on the road, I actually do my daily Bible reading from an electronic Bible. But when I'm home, I've often found it to be helpful to use a physical Bible, one with paper that I can actually look at and turn the page. I found that using a physical Bible helps to eliminate the electronic distractions that can pop up on my screen while I'm reading an electronic version. But I've also found that using a physical Bible helps me to slow down and focus better as I'm reading. Now, again, um, I'd say right now it's about... uh, Uh, Oh, mostly now these days I'm using an electronic Bible because I travel so much and and my life is is more geared that way. But still from time to time, I will use a physical Bible. And there was a long section of time in my life when I intentionally did not use an electronic Bible because I just was losing the battle of the temptation of getting distracted by things that popped up on my screen. But now I've learned how sort of learned how to eliminate those pop-ups. That's been one helpful thing. But But I also just used a physical Bible for a while to help me to do that. Here's another thing that helped me. Um, Another thing to do is to use a new Bible each year and mark it up as you go. So just buy a new Bible each year. And uh, then as you read it, mark it up. So as you're being able to to, to do that, you're, you're seeing the Bible in a new way each time. So you're seeing a new layout, you're seeing a new format, you're seeing new pagination, you're seeing new uh, 
uh, a, st- a style of, pr- of print even, so that as you're reading the Bible, you're not just re- you maybe reading words you've read before, but you're seeing them in a different format than you've ever used before. And in doing that, uh, mark it up as you go. So you may say, this is my 2022 Bible. And as I'm reading the Bible, I'm underlining, I'm circling, I'm notating, and that becomes the way that I'm remembering how God has spoken to me this year as I've read through his word. And then you just put that one on a shelf and you buy a new Bible as you start each new year. I'm not doing that right now. I'm using the same Bible that I've used for the last several years in terms of a translation. But for a number of years, I did this. I used a different Bible every year, and it really helped me to stay on track with Bible reading. Here's another thing, and that is use a different translation every year. Now, again, uh, I did this uh, and used several translations uh, over the years, and I would rotate them. I would use the NIV, the New American, and then I would go uh, uh, you know, on to the uh, message, or I would go on to uh, the you know, Holman or on to uh, the English version, something like that. Now, I've stopped doing that again in the last few years, and I've centered on the one I typically read, which is the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, It's not that I don't think other translations are helpful. It's just that, again, for now, I'm sort of reading the same translation that I've read for the past few years. But uh, again, it was very enriching to me for a number of years to pick some different translations and to read those different translations uh, uh, each year. One year, I even had a Bible given to me that had four translations in parallel columns on the facing pages. And I even tried to do that, where I would read the same text from four different versions for, you know, on the same page. And it didn't last very long. That was just too confusing. But at least it was another way that I tried to engage some different voices or different ways of hearing the Scripture as I read it. So as I'm doing Bible reading, these are some things that have helped me. Pick a prime time, stay away from electronics, choose a particular place that you can repeat day by day, have a Bible reading plan, and I like a printed Bible reading plan, and I don't really care what your Bible reading plan is, just pick one. I use one that takes me through the Old Testament and the New Testament right now, but you could also use one that's more intensive on certain sections of the Bible. You can also incorporate the Proverbs or the Psalms. Another suggestion, use a physical Bible, use a new Bible each year and mark it up as you go, and then use a different translation each year. And then the last thing I would say is journal if you want to. But avoid writing sermon notes. Remember, this is personal Bible reading and personal prayer time. So it's all right to make your own notes and to keep those in a diary or journal format. But remember, this is not the time for sermon preparation. You say, well, what if I get an idea in my daily Bible reading uh, that's going to turn into a sermon? I just got one of those recently, by the way. I was reading through the Bible, and I came across an idea, and I thought, wow, that's the idea I want to use for my Easter sermon." but I didn't spend my personal Bible reading time developing the sermon. I just set that aside and said, when I get to preparation time for those Easter sermons, I want to use these ideas as a germ to get me started on that uh, study for that message. Well, now, let's add a few thoughts here at the end on reading the Bible and praying daily. Let me say, first of all, about this, that your personal prayer time is supposed to be conversational and relational and intimate. So personal prayer time each day is supposed to be when you have a chance to have a one-on-one conversation with your Heavenly Father. So I like to read the Bible first. I generally say a prayer at the beginning, asking God to speak to me from His Word, and then I 
spend my time in my Bible reading. And when I've concluded, I'll close the Bible and I'll pray, first of all, about some of the things that I may have read in Scripture that morning that have impacted me or that have spoken to me or that have influenced me. And I'll pray about those things that I've just read. And then I slide from that into praying about personal needs. Pray for Anne, pray for my family, pray for things I'm dealing with or facing at the seminary, personal needs. But this time of prayer is supposed to be personal. As I said, it's conversational, it's relational, it's intimate, which then raises the question, should you use a prayer list? And my answer is yes and no. So let me explain. Yes, you should use a prayer list if it helps keep you focused. If your mind wanders easily, if you have a hard time remembering things, if you want to keep the really important issues of prayer right before you and you know that a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind and so you want to write some things down, no problem. But let me tell you why I stopped using a prayer list in my personal prayer time. I stopped using a prayer list because it became just another to-do list I had to check off every day. Now, I'm a a very task-oriented person, and this won't surprise you, but I have a list of things to do every day. Uh, I usually start my week by making a weekly to-do list, and I start my day by prioritizing and clarifying what I need to get done that day. I use electronic tools to generate all this, but when I finally get it done, I have it in a paper format so that I can carry it around with me and check it off as I go through my day. I'm a checklist kind of guy. And because of that, I had to move away from a written prayer list as a part of my personal prayer time because I found myself just clicking through the list so I could check off the boxes, and it became too perfunctory for me and too... Uh, routine. So I moved away from that. Now, again, please understand, I'm not advocating that you not have a prayer list. If you need a prayer list or you can use a prayer list and it facilitates your daily prayers, keep a prayer list. But I had to move away from that because for me, maintaining a prayer list became something that just kept me on a to-do list and it just really wasn't that effective. Now, I may still maintain a list of things that I'm praying about or that I'm concerned about in a prayer time that I may use at work or something like that, where we have a prayer group or a prayer meeting. I may use a list there or or make a list for those kinds of events, but I don't necessarily use one in my personal prayer time. I'd also say this. The personal prayer time is not the time for artificial restraints or constraints on either your prayers or the time allotted. Now, let me clarify what I mean. For many years, I participated in our church and in various churches in a prayer ministry of one kind or another. For example, early in my ministry, I was a part of a church that had a 24-hour prayer room. We tried to staff a room so that there was prayer being offered at our church 24-7, 365. Now, we seldom met that goal. But we usually had 100, 125 people praying every week for an hour as a part of our church's prayer ministry. And in that context, we had prayer lists. We had lists of missionaries. We had lists of personal needs. We had lists of people that we were praying to be saved. We had all kinds of lists. And when you came to the prayer room, those lists were available, and you committed to praying through those lists for one hour. And it didn't matter if you made it uh, through 10 names on the list or through 100 names on the list. That didn't matter. You had set aside the hour for prayer, 
conversation with God, intercession on behalf of the prayer lists that were maintained in the prayer room. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Today, our church has a prayer ministry that involves a weekly prayer meeting, and it's attended by a large number of people. And in that prayer meeting, there are prayer lists, and there are prayer focus groups, and there are prayer focus needs, and the leadership of that ministry produces these lists and circulates them among us. And we commit to pray for that one hour every week about these needs that are put before us. So I am not speaking against setting a time constraint or a time limit or a time frame. I'm not speaking against that. And I'm not speaking against prayer lists and prayer records and circulating those kinds of things to people who are a part of a prayer ministry. I, I think both of those are valid. I've participated in both of those. And when I was a pastor, I led both of those. But that kind of formalized intercessory prayer ministry is not what I'm talking about when I'm referring to your personal prayer time with God each day. That time is, again, conversational, relational, and intimate. And so if a list facilitates that for you, or if setting a time frame facilitates that for you, go ahead and use both. But I've moved away from both of those in my personal prayer time. I just simply want to be able to bow my head and say, Father, I need to talk to you about these things that are on my heart this morning. And talk to him about my family, my children, my grandchildren. Talk to him about my work, the things that are pressing in on me and demanding my attention today. And talk to him about personal struggles I'm having and things that I just need to talk to God about that he only knows about that are in my heart. That's my personal prayer time. So I'm challenging you today to commit to meeting with God for prayer and Bible reading on a daily basis. You say, well, I know I won't fulfill daily. I know that, neither do I, but I'm endeavoring. I'm working hard at it. I'm striving to meet that goal. And when something legitimate keeps me from accomplishing it, I move on guilt-free. But when my hardness of heart or lack of discipline or any other inexcusable reason limits my time with God, I come back to Him confess my inadequacy, ask for his forgiveness, receive it, and then dive back into the word and to prayer time with him. Pastors and other leaders have said this is one of the main issues they need to be addressed in their lives. I've tried to help you today on this podcast to learn how to do better at this discipline of Bible reading and prayer. Put it into practice today as you lead on.